reading comes from Jonah chapter 3. Jonah goes to Nineveh. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go all through it. Jonah started into the city a distance of a day's journey. And he proclaimed, Forty more days and Nineveh will be destroyed. The Ninevites believed God. They declared a fast, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. When the news reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in the dust. Then he issued a proclamation in Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let any man or beast, herd or flock, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink. But let man and beast be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he had compassion and did not bring upon them destruction that he threatened. Good morning, everybody. Uh, your welcome is appreciated, and it makes my next sentence uh, a little bit negligible. My name is Sam. Uh, for those of you that don't know me, uh, that and I'm going to use this. Um, I'm one of the youth pastors here at Richmond Anglican, and it is my great privilege to be opening God's Word with you today. It, it really is a privilege that we get to delve our minds into this amazing book, and by the grace of God that we can figure out truths about our lives and this world and each other that on our own we have no hope of discovering. So before we begin this weighty task, let's commit our time to God in prayer. So please join with me. Dear God, please work in our hearts to change us and shape us. Let your word be the lens through which we view the world and let our study of Jonah today be a blessing to us, that we might be challenged, encouraged, rebuked, and called to a greater purpose in you. In your son's name we pray. Amen. What is repentance? What does it mean to actually repent? How does it sit with you that our loving God is also the perfect judge who in his perfection requires judgment? There must be punishment for sins. How does that sit with you? In today's part of Jonah, he finally gets to Nineveh. It's taken two chapters, some running, some sailing, a big old storm, certain death, three days in a giant fish, and one magic school bus level vomit experience. But he's finally here. 
Jonah has decided to do as God asks him to do, and in finally going to Nineveh and proclaiming the message that God has given him, we see a brilliant example of true repentance. And at the end of the chapter, we get this stunning display of God's grace. I want to look at this part of the story through those two lenses. We're going to be focusing on what Nineveh does and what God's response is. Firstly, let's look at Nineveh. Jonah is an 8th century prophet, so we know that this is taking place somewhere between 700 and 800 BC, and at this time, the nation of Assyria, for which Nineveh is a part of, is the weakest that it has been in a long while. Their territory has shrunk to a fraction of what it used to be. But in the past, they were this fierce enemy of Israel. They were this kind of almost superpower that was crouched right at the back door. And they were known for their practice of when they took over a nation, deporting their citizens and kind of conglomerating them into themselves and kind of getting rid of what they used to be. But at the moment, they're weak. But in the book of Nahum, the city of Nineveh, which our focus is on today, is called a city of blood and endless cruelty. And it is this that Jonah is likely sent to call out against. See, this city, Nineveh, was a bad city. It was not living the right way. They were living lives apart from God. They weren't even a part of God's people. It was a city full of people who were most likely caught up in their own existence unaware of the danger that they were in, unaware that judgment was coming, or at least they were unaware right up until the moment that Jonah told them what was about to happen. Now, I wonder if as I went through that, you kind of started to seem a bit familiar with that description, this idea of a group of people that's a little bit self-obsessed, oblivious of God, caught up in life, Sounds kind of familiar, right? To some extent, it's all of us. I know you're all just thinking, yeah, that's everybody else, but it's all of us. God requires judgment, and so he sends Jonah to let the people of Nineveh know that in 40 days, their city will be overturned. And what is the response of this city to hearing of their impending destruction? What does this city filled with evil, non-Israelite sinners do? They repent. And this is astounding. Brothers and sisters, I want to delve into what these outsiders from God's people do here because I think it teaches some aspects of repentance in really clear ways that we can often forget as God's people. We're going to step through their steps. And hopefully we can learn together something about true repentance. Uh, if you have a Bible with you, that will be very helpful. But Christian's going to graciously throw the passage up on the screen behind me. Yeah, love that. Uh, first things first, let's look at verse 5. Jonah makes his way through the city, proclaiming 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown or overturned. Depends on the um, version of the Bible that you have. And in verse 5... 
we see the Ninevites' response. The Ninevites believed God. The first and essential thing that the Ninevites do in response to this message is that they believe it. But they don't just believe what Jonah is saying. They believe that the message comes from God and in turn, they believe God. Let's think about that for a moment. This man walks into the city and just starts crying out against it. He would straight up sound like a crazy person. These people didn't even believe in the God of the Israelites at this point. And yet they acknowledge the gravity of their situation. And so they made themselves uncomfortable and they felt remorse. That's the second thing that they did. They felt bad about what they had done. It cut them up. But importantly, it doesn't stop there. They don't just believe and feel bad about it. We see in the king's decree the last piece of this puzzle. So let's read it together. By the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let people or animals, herds or flocks taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink, but let people and animals be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. They didn't just stop at saying sorry and feeling bad about it. They gave up their evil ways. They make an actual change to their behavior. Even the king and the nobles humble themselves. If you guys can remember from two weeks ago, Jason's... um, kind of focus on this, this idea that in Jonah we see going up, meaning going towards God, and going down, meaning going away from him. We see the king rise from his throne and sit down in the dust. True repentance is belief in God and his judgment. Deep regret and guilt felt for wrong committed, and then a turning from evil. So what can we learn? That's their response. That's the response of the Ninevites. What can we learn? Well, the first thing that I think we need to come to terms with is that as Christians, we still need to repent. If you're sitting there as a Christian of 30 years, 40 years, 50 years, or three minutes, you need to repent. It's an important part of the Christian life. Yes, we do have Jesus as our Savior. Praise God. We live on this side of the cross. Unlike the Ninevites, we have the gift of God freely given, which is eternal life. But the Ninevites were responding to a message, and we can respond to Jesus. In light of the life given, we need to live our lives differently. And repentance is a huge part of that. Now, I've thought of a a series of kind of questions and things that we need to think about and ask ourselves for each of those points that the Ninevites step through. So hopefully you guys can find something helpful in here and something that kind of jumps out at you. Step two is feel remorse. Let the Spirit convict you. So hopefully something here will be relevant for you. 
The first question is, do you believe that judgment is coming? Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death. And we're all deserving of that as a Christian. All non-Christians are deserving of that as well. Everyone deserves to be judged. The Ninevites believed that. (laughs) Do you believe that? You see, it's an essential first step towards repentance and the acceptance of God, which in a lot of faith today is kind of skipped over. Um, We hear the expression, our God is love. And yes, that is true. Our God is love. But he's also perfect. And we are not. And we can't save ourselves. The situation is grave. And something did need to happen in order to change that. The second step that the Ninevites went through is they felt remorse. In this passage today, they took off their comfy clothes. They put on scratchy material. And they sat down in the dust. They didn't eat food. They felt bad about the way they had been living. Do you feel bad when you stuff up? Does the sin in your life cut you up inside? Yes, we're forgiven. But you still need to be convicted by the Spirit. The situation is dire. But just like for the Ninevites, we can't stop there. Unfortunately, too many of us stop at that point, And I know at times in my life, I have stopped at that point where we believe that we need to live life the way that God wants us to live. And we feel really bad about the stuff that we've done wrong. But there's a third step, and that is that the the Ninevites, they turn from evil. And so we also need to do that. They push off the things that they used to do. They don't entertain small aspects of what they used to do. They turn. And in their repentance... They change direction. For us today, if you're a Christian, if you've been a Christian for a long time, you know that living a Christian life requires change. But we've all experienced that situation. Perhaps you're the one who did it. Um, I won't ask people to raise hands or anything. Um, Where you've said sorry for something, and then kind of almost immediately just do it again. And it really waters down what that apology actually means. And if you keep doing the same thing again and again, you say sorry, then you stuff up again and you say sorry and you stuff up again and you say sorry and you stuff up again and you never put things into practice to actually change what you're doing. Are you actually sorry? The sorry in that instance doesn't feel particularly genuine, does it? And I don't know about you guys, but in going through those three steps, this feels remarkably difficult. And you wouldn't be wrong in thinking that. For the Ninevites, this would have been an extremely difficult thing to do. But when faced with a life or death situation, the choice was easy. If I know that I am under God's judgment, if I know that without Him, I am lost then I know that I need to make a change. And that can weigh pretty heavy. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at God's response and we're going to throw some hope into this situation. Um, 
It's interesting. After that repentance of the Ninevites, you kind of feel like they deserve something for doing that. But God would still be totally justified if they were still destroyed. For the wages of sin is death. These aren't even God's people. He hasn't made promises to these people. In fact, they're the enemies of God's people. But what's so remarkable about this and about our God is that he doesn't. Look with me at verse 10. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. Our God is willing and quick to forgive the Ninevites. We see a stunning example of God's grace, and if this doesn't give you hope, I don't know what else will. God, in his wisdom, chooses to show grace to those who have truly repented. But what is especially interesting here is that God wants to show grace. It's in his nature. Think about it. If God wanted to destroy Nineveh, why would he send a prophet ahead of time to warn them? Like, realistically, if you wanted to bring judgment on something, if God wanted to bring judgment on something, he could have. Just, boom, it's gone. No more Nineveh. Problem solved. But no. He sends Jonah to proclaim what was coming. And in that proclamation, there is an opportunity for grace. His message of judgment here was the means by which grace could be administered. Has anybody ever felt or heard someone say that it seems like the God of the Old Testament is a different God to the God of the New Testament? I can get a show of hands for this one. Has anybody ever heard that said, that, they, that someone's expressing that feeling? It comes up a lot in youth ministry. It seems like the, the Old Testament God seems really judgy, but the, the New Testament God is all about love. It seems like to be a very kind of New Age thing to just be focused on love. But what I love about this chapter in Jonah is that we see it's the same God. We see his gracious nature shine through. But we also see that all of humanity is deserving of judgment. That's why Jesus had to die on the cross. That has been true through the ages, but consistently we see God offering grace. Delaying judgment at cost to himself so that Jesus, his only son, could take the penalty once and for all. God, in his mercy, doesn't bring judgment upon Nineveh at that time. And in his mercy, he doesn't just stop our world and destroy all the sinners. But in saying that, we do need to realize that withholding judgment costs God. Because sin must be paid for, right? The equation has to balance out. And so Jesus, God's only son, died on a cross to bring grace to those who have faith. He died on a cross. So we should feel the weight of our sin because that's what he died to take away. And how do we know that we have faith and are saved? Well, ask yourself, are you truly repentant? 
If you're sitting there today and you're thinking, I don't really know what to do with this, Sam. You've been talking at us for the past 15 to 20 minutes, and I get the Ninevites repented and weren't judged, but how can I get some of that? Just spell it out for me, Sam. Well, you need Jesus. You need him in your life. You need to accept what he's done for you. And you need to live life in response. And what is that response? Well, it's repentance. Believe in God and his judgment. Feel remorse. In other words, let the Holy Spirit convict you of the things in your life that you need to change. And then actually make those changes. Acknowledge the sin in your life. Don't hide from it. Look straight at it. Know that because of that, you deserve to be judged. No matter how good you think you are. The same is true for me. Whether you're a king or a noble or just a person on the street hearing the message for the first time, let that belief in God's judgment touch your heart and turn away from the wrong that you are doing. If someone's a recovering alcoholic, they wouldn't keep a couple of bottles of whiskey around the house just in case they need them. That would be madness. They would be setting themselves up to fail. Whatever it is for you, cut it out of your life. It's not worth it. We deserve judgment. The Ninevites understood that. So they repented and were saved. That repentance for us is admittedly different than for the Ninevites. It truly is because for us, we have Jesus. Excuse me. And in his gracious nature, God sent his son to pay the penalty for our sin. But we still need to feel the weight of that. We still need to observe the brokenness in our life. Feel our sin and realize how freeing and wonderful it is that Jesus has taken that penalty. That is grace. Repentance for the Ninevites was a response to a message. But for us, it's a response to Jesus. Have faith. Believe in God and his judgment. Let the Spirit convict you and turn from evil. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you that you loved us enough that you sent your Son to die on the cross for us. Please help us to understand what that means for our lives, but please help us not to lose sight of what we've been saved from. Dear Lord, please help us to acknowledge that we are sinful and that we need your help and let that inform the way that we live the rest of our lives, having avoided the destruction, Lord. Help us to feel that. Let the Spirit convict us, guide us, and show us what to change. And then help give us the strength to change for you. Give us the strength to turn from evil and to make the choices we need to to follow you today and each day. In your Son's name we pray. Amen.